321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners who are actively relaunching to make sure to register and upload your resume to the I Relaunch job board. And employers that are looking to hire relaunchers regularly peruse our job board. That's why they come to our job board. Uh, and it any of you who want to make sure that you are being seen as an eligible relauncher should make sure that you're on it. So uh, excited to have you join that. And now excited uh, for all of you to join us on the podcast. And today we welcome Avanti Tillich, who is an astrophysicist turned data scientist. After earning her PhD and postdoc, Avanti took a seven-year career break while trying to transition into data science. She has been working with healthcare data for the last four and a half years and has broad experience in healthcare data science, from working on a production team in a multinational tech company to a small innovative startup and now in a traditional health insurance company. Avanti, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Hi, Carol. Thank you for having me. Well, it's particularly exciting for me to be speaking with you because as you and I will talk about in a little bit, um, I was there at the moment of your initial yes. relaunch on, as part of the IBM Tech Reentry program. And I, uh, in person, that was when we did in-person orientations and we were yes. at the IBM uh, headquarters and for and where the all the learning and development happens. It was a really exciting place to be at an exciting moment, and um, we'll we'll talk about that. But I just wanted to note that at the very beginning, this doesn't usually happen. And now here we are, four and a half years later, and there's so much to talk about and so much evolution. And I always appreciate the perspective of a relauncher who's been back in the workforce for a number of years and now can look retrospectively at how it felt at the very beginning or, or um, before all the evolution happened. So welcome. And maybe we should start uh, with a little bit about your background. Um, what did you do prior to your career break? And then what prompted you to step away from the workforce? Yeah, um, actually, that's a great place to start always. Um, so I came to the US on a student visa uh, to study physics. I graduated from Johns Hopkins in 2006 with an MA in physics, a PhD in astronomy. And then I was at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics for four years, uh, working on postdoctoral research. Um, and in um, 2008, the stock market crash happened and mm -hmm. research budgets everywhere just shrank. Everyone seemed to be competing for the same piece of pie, and the pie I could get to was even smaller because I wasn't a, a green card holder or a, or a citizen yet. So that was one part. Then even if you managed to secure a grant or a research position, um, you had to move institutions because of the funding rules, which meant I would have to move my family every three years. And I could see my seniors from grad school, they were on their third and fourth postdocs. It didn't look like that cycle of moving and that uncertainty was going to end 
quickly. Astronomy doesn't really feed into an industry. So everybody stays mm-hmm. in academia, or at least mm-hmm. at that time. And there simply weren't enough faculty jobs. So it all just seemed too daunting. And so I decided to take a step back and, you know, reevaluate what my goals were. Um, so, yeah, that, that was, I guess, the motivation for the career break. Yeah, that must have been quite a period for you to um, step back and reflect and think about um, what the future was going to look like. And, you know, as you're mentioning, potentially thinking about a transition from academia um, into corporate America or the private sector or something uh, because of this very specific issue about postdocs and and moving around and just sort of how, how that works. So can you tell us a little bit about the timeline of that thought process and then how you uh, eventually directed yourself around to end up at data science as the field that you were going to transition transition into? Yeah. Uh, I mean, by the time I left academia, I, I had a son. Um, he was a toddler at that time. And um, like I said, I just didn't want to keep transplanting our family constantly. Um, and I, I want to preface the next part by saying I love this time I had with my kids. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed all their silliness and the you know, joy when they master something for the first time, whether it's walking or getting the spoon in their mouth or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I have no regrets about it, but I think I went through a period of mourning for my career. Um, I had wanted to be this a scientist, a, an astrophysics person since almost middle school. And I had worked hard for it and I thought I had achieved it. And then I was making this conscious decision to walk away. Mm. And I didn't really have a plan B. I was like leaping into the abyss. That's what it felt like for like that part of my life. And so I started thinking of other interests I could pursue, um, other fields I could go to. Um, Around the same time, data science was starting to pick up steam. So this is like 2011, 2012. Um, I'd always loved wrangling with data and making sense of it and trying to see how it fits into the big picture. Um, you know, that joy of discovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it seemed to align a little bit with this new data science field where people were taking data and trying to make sense of it at the end of the day. Um, you look for patterns and discover new insights. So that's how, at least that was my mental process, making that shift from academia and astrophysics to data science, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, And then what happened after that? You you sort of, um, it's a brand new field. So that's kind of interesting in itself. And it sounds like I I understand now um, your reasoning in terms of what, uh, what could I what was I doing before that could translate into this? And and it, and it's an exciting new field. So did you think right away that you were going to have to do any specific upskilling or reskilling? Um, and um, what was the timeline uh, along that you gave yourself? Did you set deadlines or did you say, I'm just going to, you know, proceed at my own rate and I'll know when, when I'm ready for it to turn into something else? 
So um, I think um, once I decided I was going to do this, I had to upskill. I taught myself programming, Python, and R because those seemed to be the languages they were using for data science. Um, I did not set myself a timeline because it seemed, I, I knew it was going to be a difficult transition. And I felt like if I said I have to get a job by X date, it's going to end up being self-defeating because it's like um, none of the, the other side of that equation was not in my hands. Mm -hmm. So it didn't make sense for me to hold myself to something when the other party has to say, okay, we'll hire you. Um, I, I wasn't getting back into the field, so to speak. Uh, but I did start networking very actively um, around the same time. I uh, think um, 2013, 14, a, a new Pi Ladies group started in Boston and Cambridge area. I'm sorry, can you say that again? A new uh, what kind of group? <laughs> Pi Ladies. <laughs> so it's actually uh, PY and then ladies. Um, it's a, oh. it's like a meetup thing and they have these satellite groups all across the country. And one of the um, women here decided she was going to start one for our area. And it was just such a, an amazing resource for me hmm. because I could learn there. I could um, practice presenting. I could practice um, like job interviews even. And everyone there was amazingly supportive. It was like this network of women who were my cheerleaders and my, like they were really, give me your resume. I will give it to our recruiters. Like there were so many people that I met through that group and just a very, very supportive environment. Um, and it's it sort of came at the right time for me because I knew I had my family in my corner, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but it's different when your mom or your sister or your husband says, yes, you can do it. They love you. They're supposed to say that. That's what like the lizard brain says, you know, the one that's doubting you. And mm -hmm. instead, you, I had this new network of people who I had just met who weren't in love with me or anything like that. But they were still like, yes, you can do this. Don't give up. Like they were just it was like a different perspective. Let me just ask you one clarifying question. So in the Pi Ladies group, PY had to do with Python? Yeah. So okay. we were learning Python. Sorry, I should have said okay. that first. Okay. So you're learning Python as a group, but are most of them working full time or was they it? Were. Okay. They were. Most of them were working full time. Most of them were like, some of them were learning Python because they hadn't learned it before, but they were like engineers. They were product managers. They were trying to either move into software engineering or broaden their skill set or get some like that build that community so it was um, like a mix of um, expertise levels I there see. were people who just knew it and other people who were like wait how do you do this in python like so it was I, it was a so good they, some were taking courses um at, on their own and then they come together to sort of talk about questions or problem solving yeah Oh, or build a project or, you know, just, yeah, it, it, it ended up being like my lifeline. Mm. I jump into oh, the interesting. So Okay. So that was like almost an offshoot of you. Uh, you decide on data science. You are upskilling. 
um, by taking particular courses. And then this group kind of catches your eye because you're thinking this might be a good community to be in while I'm learning Python. Right. Interesting. Okay. So, um, so tell us a little bit more about how you approached the job search. I, I have to also say, I love the idea that you didn't like set a deadline for yourself, that you weren't putting additional pressure on yourself by doing that. Um, so how did you um, approach it? I know you said you had all these cheerleaders. Were there um, any hurdles that you ran up against along the way? Yeah, I mean, there were two major um, like obstacles, I would say. One was the career break itself, and right. then the lack of actual work experience in data science. I did not have any of the traditional backgrounds for a new field. I mean, it was a new field. Nobody knew who, what they were hiring. But in general, if you had a background in software engineering or mm -hmm. computer science or statistics, those people were more, I think, hireable, or at least that was the impression I got. And right. I didn't have any of those things in my background. I had done some modeling, but on very small scales as part of my work. And so even when my friends submitted my resume somewhere, or if I applied for a job somewhere, um, most of the conversations would end with the gap on my resume. Mm. They would say, oh, it's very impressive. You should work for NASA. But you don't have any experience in this. I see. Or they would say, I don't have experience with real world data. So there is this um, website called Kaggle where people go and get data sets and try and develop their own data science projects. And it was fairly, well, it wasn't new back then, but it was still early days for them. And so I had done a couple of projects on that and I would try to talk about that and they would be dismissed like, no, but the data is too sanitized. It mm -hmm. doesn't really reflect how difficult the job is in the real world. Um, I think I, I used to keep a record. I used to have a spreadsheet and one year, and I stopped checking after that year, one year I had applied for 300 jobs. I got callbacks from recruiters for 50, and I made it to 10 hiring managers. Hmm. And then two of them spent the entire call talking about my name. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I still kept track of where I had applied, but I stopped mm -hmm. obsessively tracking who's calling back, what's working. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think this is working for me. Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> what, before you keep going, what can you spell out that website that you were doing the project sets on? Yes, uh, it's called uh, www.kaggle.com, K-A-G-G-L-E uh, .com. Thank uh, you. For our listeners who might be wanting to write that down. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, um, so uh, it could be so demoralizing. So many interviews, uh, I mean, so, so many applications, a handful of interviews, the experiences that you had. So what kept you going during that time? It was really my support network. Mm -hmm. um, it was just them saying, it's okay, you can do this. Um, and giving me new ideas or introducing me to new people. Mm -hmm. Like, talk to them. I know somebody, come to this meetup. I'll, I'll introduce you to this person. Like, they just kept 
me going. And um, it was, I also started thinking about uh, this in a more, in a different way. Like, okay, fine. If the conversation is ending at, I don't have real world experience. Let me see if I can start doing some freelance projects. Mm -hmm. And I tried to do a few, Mm -hmm. again, ran into similar problems. I I did a few, um, like, proof of concept projects or data mining or just building a CRM dashboard, that type of thing. Um, And it it did help me identify areas where I needed to do more work because some of the things you don't get the experience unless you actually do a project or work on something. Right. So um, it was, um, I, I... use that sort of to keep me motivated. Mm. And and the freelance assignments that you were doing, those these small projects, were they through some sort of a like a gig website? Yeah, yeah. So or- I signed up at upwork.com and uh, also like at these meetups and things. Um, mm-hmm. I would meet people and be like, okay, all right, I let think. me see if I can do this. Um, and it really Money-wise, it wasn't a big deal, but they right. were opportunities. They were all opportunities, so I could keep learning. Right, um, and more to talk about in the interviews when exactly came up. All right, okay. So you're at this point. Um, at what point did the IBM Tech Reentry program get into the discussion? Yeah, so 2017 was actually really hard, um, and I was about ready to give up on this strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when I started my job search, like 2013, 2014, data science was so new. There were no degree programs. There was no, like, this is a pathway into data science type of, there was nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had toyed with the idea of maybe doing an MBA. And I was basically told that don't do it. You are already overqualified because you have a PhD. Mm-hmm. So why are you going for a general MBA in something that is not related? But by 2017, things were a little different. There were accredited data science and data analytics master's programs. So I thought, you know, maybe I should look into that. Like, just take a step back, not apply for anything because the rejection does get to you. After four-ish years, I was just like, I'm exhausted. Right. I need to rethink this whole thing. And then one of my friends from PyLadies, she came to me and she's like, look at this thing, you have to apply. I'm like, I've decided I'm not applying for anything. I'm done with applications. They are they are horrible. And she was like, no, 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 you have to apply for this. This is for people getting back into the workforce. Mm. This is, this. that's what you are. You have to do this. And I remember sitting at the local library and she's like standing over me while I'm filling out the application because she was like, otherwise I know you won't apply. Wow. I'm just like, okay, fine, I will apply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that was like, I'm really glad she did that and made me apply mm-hmm. because it really changed uh, everything for me. I think I got a call back from the recruiter. Then I spoke to the hiring manager and a couple of people on her team. And then they ended up offering me the internship. Wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> that must have felt so good. It did. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so what happened after that? Like, I, I don't know what, how long it took for you from when you first applied to when you got the offer. And then what happened in the initial weeks of actually being in the program? Yeah, I think I applied in October or November and I heard back from them. Like I actually forgot about it. And I heard back in February and the program started in March. Oh, wow. So it was like there was this weird two or three week period where I was like, I think this is happening. I don't know if this is happening. Wait, what do I do about childcare if this actually happens? Mm -hmm. So it, (laughs) it, it was like, a little stressful, but in a good way this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I think once they got the job offer to me, like first or second week of March, it was just very smooth sailing. Like everything. Once I was part of that program, it was all so well organized. I was ready to hit the road within like a week or ten days. I was like, wait, now I have to wait for a little longer. This is weird. Wow. That it's and this is the part where we can talk about. This is when we met. That's right. Um, and I have to give a shout out to Jennifer Howland from IBM, yes. who is feeling the driving force um, behind IBM Tech Reentry, who ultimately retired from IBM after 35 years and then came to work for iRelaunch, advising other employers on starting their programs, and recently just really retired, officially retired a a second time um, after three years with us. And we've just had a long, wonderful relationship. So I wanted to do a shout out to Jennifer um, for her um, integral role. And we at iRelaunch, we partnered with IBM as part of the STEM Reentry Task Force, which is a joint initiative we run with the Society of Women Engineers. And IBM was in the inaugural group of companies um, as part of the STEM Reentry Task Force around this whole concept of technical um, women and men, but primarily women uh, relaunching their careers. And uh, we're still in this initiative with the Society of Women Engineers. We just finished our seventh year. I think we've had almost a thousand relaunchers now. Task Force company program. So to reconnect with you, um, Avanti, um, in the 2017, which was the second year of the IBM program um, is very meaningful. And part of what we did, because we used to do things in person, was that we um, had that orientation together and we met and you were at the very beginning. Uh, and just to, to be connected with you right now is, is, is very exciting and um, just really um, emotional for me. And, and I'm so excited for how things have evolved. So um, you, let's, Fast forward, you went through the IBM Tech Reentry Program. You ended up in a role at IBM for yes. a number of years. And what? so what happened um, after finishing the program? And what kind of role did you go into? And sort of what happened after that? So, um, I mean, I was converted to a full-time data science position after the um, my internship was over. Um, I think... Um, I was already part of the team that I was finally placed in. Um, Basically, when I started, my hiring manager said, listen, treat this like a three-month job interview. Mm. Show us what you can do. 
it's not we are not standing over your shoulder trying to see what you can do it doesn't matter like if you have to look things up or if you have to ask for help because that is always a part of the job nobody works in isolation i do terribly at coding tests by the way but mm-hmm. this i could do mm-hmm. i was like okay i if you give me a project i know how to do this and i had a uh, i actually had two mentors one was uh, another uh, woman who had been through the previous iteration of return to work and um so she helped me with some of the how do i tell my manager i need to be out by 5 to go pick up my kids part of my life right and then i had a separate mentor who was um more like the project lead and we ended up finding a research project for me to work on so it worked it was like a perfect bridge between my old life and this new life um and um Yeah so I I was already part of the team by the time I started working there as a full-time employee um so that part was relatively easy that transition so to speak um but then uh, I got laid off from IBM in June 2020 at the height of the pandemic the pandemic right yeah and that was I had a moment of panic like sheer panic i was like oh my god i've done this before this is awful i don't know how i'm going to do this again but this time it was different because i had experience in the field mm-hmm. and um when i applied for jobs i almost always got the call back from the recruiter at least and i was making it to the hiring manager almost every time i made it to for the rounds like with team members or panel interviews or coding test or whatever it was and i was able to find a great job with a great company within 6 months it was a completely different experience this time i think that's so interesting for you to call out you've actually been through the experience as a relauncher and then been through the experience really not a relauncher anymore because you're coming off of another job where you're saying you have the relevant experience and it's like night and day it really was it really was i mean i i know i was in complete panic mode for a while and again my network came in they were like no you got this Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of other people were laid off with me and we sort of formed this little band we would talk every other day where did you apply where did i apply i found this lead i don't have enough experience maybe you do you should apply there i will introduce you to the recruiter so we sort of made this our own little reentry program so to speak <laughs> to support each other and it was just it was it was really was very different Mm, wow. Um so what kind of role did you end up with and were you I'm guessing after two and a half years at IBM working in data science you are at a completely different level now uh, in terms of sophistication and understanding of the field. So what did you what role did you move into? So it was again data scientist within the healthcare space. Um I was doing I was actually doing things very similar to what i was doing at ibm but because we were a startup there was a lot more scope to do other things as well mm-hmm. 
each project wasn't necessarily or each role wasn't necessarily narrowly defined. So I could say, hey, you know what? Let me take this, our um, main product that we have and tweak it and see if we can get some results that might be relevant to our clients. And I could do that. There was more scope for experimentation. There was more scope for just what else can we do? Mm -hmm. Um, That innovation piece was really like very exciting. It was great. I, um, I, I feel like I had a solid foundation before and this really allowed me to grow. Yeah, so interesting. So when you were at IBM, just to clarify, you were in a healthcare area. I was, yes. So for the entire two and a half years, I was part of Watson Health, which has now been spun off. Uh, But we were working with claims data to uh, predict patient outcomes, patient costs. Mm. Um, In my next job, I was working on patient costs. Now I'm working on patient, like, outreach and engagement and hmm. so it's it's been like a different aspects of the same space yeah i'm thinking about this so you're in this enormous multinational company um for your relaunch and then you moved to a startup almost the polar opposite yes and then you made another move after that yeah so now i'm in a traditional healthcare company and i just felt like given all this expertise i was building within healthcare data science. The insurance companies are a big part of it. And Mm -hmm. I needed to understand how they work. I needed to understand the clinical data space. Um, So it it seemed like a good move from the, again, that opportunity to learn, opportunity to grow uh, standpoint. It really has been very educational. Mm-hmm. It's like you're demonstrating being a lifelong learner, a fearless learner, a career break or no career break. And I just think that uh, is a quality that is prized um, among employers who are um, wanting people to join their team. And, and I'm also just thinking about these three different experiences that you have from a career um, progression standpoint for in the future you are poised and ready for, for some amazing moves going forward from what, what really? the, yeah. So, oh, so, so exciting. Yeah. Um, all right. So any other comments about the journey about like looking back retrospectively on where you were on day one at, at IBM tech reentry versus where you are now? Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, I do feel more confident. I mean, I remember standing in the lobby that day trying to, you know, uh, like waiting for somebody to come and fetch me because I didn't have my badge yet. Uh, They were supposed to do that on that day in the office. And uh, (laughs) it was nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. I had never been part of corporate America. What I knew of corporate America was through friends or my husband or media. I had zero experience. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. It, it's not that different. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I had this sort of thing in my head. I think it's great for people to hear you say that because a lot of people who are listening are really at that very beginning piece and are probably 
having the same question of themselves. And then to hear you say on the other side of it, I'm not really sure why I had that feeling, um, especially judging from where you are now. Um, Avanti, I, we need to wrap up our conversation right now, and I've, I've loved it so much. Uh, I want to ask you the question we ask all of our podcast guests, which is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? So I thought about this a little bit, and it's going to be a little long because there were a couple of things I really wanted to say. One was keep learning, keep looking for those opportunities, not for the pay or whatever, but just to learn. Sometimes you have to learn and unlearn and relearn things, and that's okay. You'll figure it out. It's fine. Just keep learning. That will get you very far. To ask for help. This can be a long process. It's a marathon. You may need help with, you know, different parts of the actual job search specific things, but also for your mental health, for your soul. And so be kind to yourself. It is okay. Ask for help when you need it from friends, family, or mental health professionals. It's really okay. Don't be too hard on yourself. And then get back up. Make your ego, I like to think of my ego as a cyst. It is small, but indestructible. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's small, so I can keep learning, but it's indestructible because without that hardened core, you may have a hard time handling the rejections, the setbacks. And you have to keep remembering that it means they are losing out on you, not the other way around. You'll find the place that deserves you, that will be right for you. And you may have to find it again and again, and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, I mean, from my favorite movie, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You know? <laughs> oh, I love that. That advice is incredible uh, and on so many levels. Um, and I just love this perspective of your that company ultimately that deserves you is going to get you. Uh, and to keep that even, you know, in the, the darkest point of your journey where you're in the middle of a long string of rejections that can last a, a, an extended period to um, think about what Avanti is telling all of us. Think about your words, Avanti, I, th- I think will be really helpful and inspiring to people. Avanti, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really loved connecting with you again, Carol. It's yeah. It was just really nice seeing you again after a while. Yes, same with me. Um, the connection is is so meaningful, um, especially at this moment. So thank you. And to our audience, thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. Uh, Please remember to reference and uh, use iRelaunch.com as a resource for you for all the aspects of your relaunch. 
Uh, and another reminder to make sure that you get your resume and your um, uh, profile identified on our job board, uh, because at the end of the day, that's where the employers are coming to look for relaunchers. They, they come to our job board specifically to look for relaunchers. So thank you so much for joining us. And Avanti, thank you so much for coming.